If you know anything about David, you know that uh, his life and his was filled with uh, some real ups as God took uh, him as from a sh- shepherd boy into being the king. But you also know that he made some horrendous decisions. Uh, there's no other way to call them uh, or other thing to call them other than very sinful and godly choices in his life. With that in mind, listen to his words in Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being, praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, <coughs> who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known His ways to Moses, His deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will He harbor His anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. Or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. Let's pray. Father, uh, thank you for these words. And, And knowing a little bit of what David had walked through in his life of the battles he had faced, the decisions that he had made and and knew that he had made that were so much against your will, so ungodly, sometimes sinful, and yet having this tender heart that just went before your throne and repented and and grieved. And and then he found at that spot, in that throne, your grace, your mercy, And he wrote about that for us to read. Thank you for this, Lord. Thank you for this reminder. And Lord, today we, as we continue our study, as we continue to look at the writings of Paul as he wrote to the Roman church, help our hearts to start to gravitate to the truth you want us to learn together. I pray these things in your son's name. Amen. John, what are you talking about? Suddenly you're going to get your own weed? Look, I'm done. That's it. It's over. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? No, I... I'm... On the 11th hole. <coughs> yeah, that's last hole. What are you talking about? We're on the 6th hole! What are you talking about? It hurts in the head, all these facts and figures. What are you talking about? You're four credit shy of being an NBA. He's a workaholic. She'll be out here in five minutes. What are you talking about? What are you doing, sis? It's not my fault, so you know I don't have sex. What are you talking about? The police? What are you talking about? Jack's got his own return ticket. He says he might leave early. What are you talking about? My feet hurt. My voice is hoarse. Oh, please don't take a turn to negative town. What are you talking about? Who's getting negative? What are you talking about? I'll tell you what I'm talking about. 
just couldn't resist, you know. And you know that one section where he talked about weed? He was actually talking about weed killer. I think Roundup. That's what he was talking about there. <laughs> so, so we all have that friend, don't we? Maybe, it, maybe it's in our family. Maybe we're married to it. I won't confess that w- one way or another because uh, she's not here to, to defend herself. But, uh, you know, we've got that individual that they, you're, they start talking like they're in the middle of a conversation. And you're kind of, you know, you're kind of doing this. What are you talking about there? You know, they, they start like, or, or maybe it's, they'll start, they name, they start talking about somebody. And they act like you know exactly who it is. And you have no clue. And you're trying to think, you know, you're listening and you're thinking, okay, should I stop them and say, I have no idea what you're talking about? Or, or just be polite and just kind of nod my head and act like I know. And, and so we have those kind of people. Well, well, why this is, I bring this up is, we're, we're heading into Romans chapter 6 today. And here's how Paul starts in Romans 6. What shall we say then? And you go, what are you talking about? Well, what should we say then about what? You know, there's got to be more to this. And, and so he really feels like if you're, if you're starting, if you just picked up the Bible and turned to Romans 6, you're kind of like, okay, what is going on here? Where, you know, there's got to be some more information here than just what shall we say then? Even shall we go on sending because so the grace may preach is like, all right, was somebody talking about that? I don't know where you are here. And, and uh, so it kind of really feels like that. And I told you before, our, our uh, translations of the Bible, in, in the original, when Paul wrote this letter, which is what it was, Apostle Paul wrote a letter to the Christians in Rome. And so when you write your letters, you don't try, uh, divide it up in chapters and verse. Well, maybe some of you do. I don't know. It's got, you got some long letters, but most of us don't. You know, we just write the letter. And and so that's what this originally was. And then later on, as time went on, uh, folks came in and said, you know, it would be really hard, easy, a lot easier if we had verses and numbers. And then we could say to somebody, go to here. And, and so they added the verses and numbers. And usually it works out pretty well. Once in a while, you have something like this, and you're thinking, you know, if you just pick up Romans 6, you're like, okay, there's more to this story. And there is. And, and so I want to kind of give it the context a little bit. So you can understand this first statement that we're going to start digging in in Romans 6. And so if you have your Bibles and you aren't already there, get to Romans 6 or on your devices, because that's what we're talking about. For the next, next number of weeks, we're going to be working our way through Romans chapter 6 and Romans chapter 7 uh, and, and talking about, because Paul covers something that's really vital to all of us. I, I, you may not get that at first, but I think as we dig into it, you're going to say, yeah, I need to know this, because this this question has plagued me forever. But we need to back up to get the context of verse 1. And so we'll go back earlier in chapter 5 to verse 12, where, where Paul s- makes this statement. He says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man... Who's that one man? I'll stop there for a moment. Sin entered the world through one man. Who was that? A guy named Adam. Now, I know some of us guys like to blame it on Eve. You know, so, but ladies, you just got left off the hook because God blames it on Adam. He says it was Adam's fault. In fact, later on, Paul's going to write to Timothy, who's a young pastor, and he's going to say, Eve was deceived. She was tricked by Satan. Adam was not tricked. He, he knew God had told him exactly what not to do, and Adam chose that day to do it. He chose to disobey God, which we talked about last week. That's what sin is doing something that we know is not the will of God for us. And, and so Adam did that deliberately. So through, sin, through Adam, suddenly sin 
entered into this world that had not known it before, where things were wonderful, perfect. There was no such thing as illness. There wasn't suffering. There wasn't tragedy. There wasn't, you know, and it's all those things. That, when God first placed Adam in the garden, in this new creation and all the beauty and wonder of it, and he said, it's all yours. Every part of this, enjoy. <coughs> make, it, make it part of your life, except... That one tree, stay away from that tree because when you eat of it, you will die. And so Adam chose to disobey and sin entered the world through that one man. But then he goes on, and death through sin. And that's what God told Adam. When you eat, if you disobey me, you will die. And remember, death in the Bible, death in the Old Testament, which is where this, where uh, originally talks about with Adam, the Hebrew word for death, and in the New Testament, where we're looking at now with Rome, in both cases, death, the actual word means separation. We talk about physical death, and it is separation of the body, the physical body, and the soul. The, the body goes back down to the, to the grave, to the ground, uh, and the soul goes, well, that's to be determined. As, as you know and as we'll talk about as we move on. But then the Bible also refers to death, at, uh, uh, what's called an eternal death, which is talking about a separation from God forever. And so he said to Adam, if you eat of that tree, the moment you do, he's referring to both those kinds of death, not only will your physical body begin the process of death and finally run out and die, but there will, co- there will be a separation between mankind, between you, Adam, and me, that has the potential to last forever if something doesn't happen about it. And, and that's, what all, that's what Paul's talking about there. So since, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through, this, through the sin, and in this way death came to all men because all of sin. And that there, I mean, is referring to humanity. All of us got the same issue, the same battle. We've all sinned. We've all made those decisions that were contrary to the will of God for us. And we've talked about this. God's will for us is, is not, he's not trying to make life hard or cause us pain. He wants to bless us. He, he knows what's best. We decide sometimes that we know what's best. And we say, I don't, here's your direction. I know that's what you want me to do, God. I'm going this way. And, and so that's where Paul begins this conversation. Then he goes on gives a little more explanation. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, many were made sinners, so through the obedience of one man, the many will be made righteous. He says, okay, there's another individual that you need to know about. Who's the second guy we're talking about here? Jesus. Adam brought sin into humanity. It has plagued every single one of us since that day. We're born. We're born with this inclination, this bent toward doing things that are contrary to God's heart for us. And we all sin. That's what Paul says. All of us sin. And Paul's short of God's glory, of what, his, what he had for us and what he has in mind for us. But then God took on flesh and blood and stepped into our world. And he took the penalty, the separation that's ours, that belongs to us because of our sin, that and he died physically and died eternally. He took our separation from God on him. He took all of our sins on him. There's a moment when you, if you're reading the Gospels where Jesus makes this statement, Father, why 
have you forsaken me? Why have you turned away from me? This moment where, and we don't even understand this, exactly what's going on there, but the sin of humanity came onto Jesus Christ, and a holy God, God the Father, turned away. First time they've ever had that experience, and, and we don't even know how to explain it, but this, this tremendous heartache, and Jesus took that on himself, in your place and my place, so that God, in return, could offer us, you and I, forgiveness, restored relationship, and eternity with Him. So just as through the disobedience of one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of one man, the many will be made righteous. Paul says one more thing. He says, let's talk about the law. You know, the Jews, and a lot of what he writes in the Roman, to this letter to the Romans He's talking to the Jews because they had this perspective. Their perspective is, you know, you guys need this Jesus thing, this, this, uh, but we, we're God's people. We are the chosen ones. The law came to us. And, and in fact, they, held, they, they actually held it. They had kind of this special privilege because the, the law had been given to them. And, and Paul says, no, I mean, you need to understand the law. The law was added so that trespass might increase. Wait a minute, you mean... You gave the law so that people would become sinners? Well, no, that's not what it's saying. Is God gave the law so people would be aware that they are sinners. You know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, your kids as they grow up. You know, there are certain things they, when they're real young, they'll do something. They don't even know it's wrong. And, and then you, as a mommy or a daddy, say, no, that's, that's wrong. Now, they didn't know that they were trespassing, that they were actually doing something. that may not, It may have been wrong in God's eyes as, as well, but you help them understand now, when they do it next time, the trespass increased, and, and they, it, it's sin. That's a deliberate, those decisions we make. He says the law, its whole reason for being given to us was so that we would understand that we have a sin problem. In fact, to the extent, Paul says, that it, you know, none of us lives up to it. There is no one good, not even one. That the law would make us so aware of how sinful we are because I can't, you know, we talk about the Ten Commandments. We don't talk about the other 600. And, and, you know, I can't even keep the 10, let alone go into all those other ones. And, and the whole purpose of the law was for us to come to a place where we'd say, man, I need someone to save me for myself. Enter the picture, Jesus, who came and in our place died for our sins. So God, as a gift, a free gift, could offer you and I forgiveness. Where sin increased, grace increased all the more. There is, you know, another way that's been said, you cannot out-sin the grace of God. I don't care what your past is. You know, my grandmother, uh, on my father's side, uh, eventually became a believer. But up to that point, prior to that point, she lived a very immoral life. And my father talked to her one time. He kept trying to, he wanted her to come to Christ. And, and, and she was so aware of her, her sinfulness and and she would say something along this line, you know, I, I need to get my life straight first. And Dad would say, Mom, you can't do it. You'll never, you'll never get that straight. God wants to forgive you. His grace. No, it doesn't matter what you've done in your life. His grace will cover it if you'll allow Him. Which brings us to what we began talking about last week, the power. Remember, we went back and Paul talks about this power. In fact, early on in the book, let's let it roam, he talks about, he says, I'm ashamed of the gospel. Good news. There's this good news 
And this good news has within it the power for salvation of everyone who believes. That, that word power, remember I talked about it was dunamis. That's why I stuck the picture of dynamite up there because we get our English word dynamite from it. But, but it's much bigger. It's not the explosive a- aspect of it, is, but just it is so powerful. And within it, there's this inherent power to accomplish everything that God has in mind. It's not up to you and I. It never was. In fact, if it was, we're, de- we're, we're doomed. But God says, here's the good news. I'm making available to every person through this good news, if they accept the good news, which is that Jesus has forgiven, offered the forgiveness of sin, I'm making available you, you a power that brings salvation. Where sin increased, grace increased all the more. But there's a problem, and that's what we run into with this question in chapter 6. In fact, right before we get there, in, it's funny, in our mission statement, <coughs> as we were sitting in, uh, years, a couple of years ago talking about, okay, what, how do we define who we are, who we should be as True North Church? Here's the mission statement we came up with. First part, for all to come to know Christ. We want everyone to hear that news that we just talked about, that good news, that God has a heart for you, that he loves you, that I don't care what your life experience has been, how, how ungodly it's been, what your story is, whatever it is, God's grace can cover it. He can forgive you. He wants to forgive you. And, and even that, it's, I remember the clip you heard earlier, it's past, present, and future. Because we're in this world, and we still have these battles. That's part of what we'll be talking about. So, so he wants you to know, so first of all, we want you to know that. We want you to know Jesus Christ and the offer he's making because of his payment on the cross. But then we want you to experience his power. You know, so many of us, even in the Christian life, you know, kind of look at it this way. Okay, we, we made that decision. We finally understood the offer God was making, and we accepted that gift of forgiveness. And we know that someday, because of the promise that came with it, we're going to spend eternity. We're going to go be with the Heavenly Father. We're going to go be with him. But that in-between time, man, that's tough. You know, it's every day just trying to make it work, trying to do the right things. And I spend so much time telling God I'm sorry because I do the same crazy wrong thing over and over again. And that's what the in, inner, you know, that in-between time is. You know, it's just a struggle, this, man, I cannot wait to get done with this time and finally get rid of this, this ugly sin to keep plaguing me day in and day after, day out. That's not what God has in mind. There's this power that he wants you and I to experience now. And because of it will be his image in the world. People can look and say, God really does make a difference. You know, but, but so many of us, we, we, would, we struggle with that last one. Well, you know, yeah, he's made a difference in my eternity. I do believe I'm forgiven, but Man, the day in and day out, it's still pretty much up to me. And, that, and that's the way we live our life. So that brings us back to verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? We've just walked through all these statements by Paul, and, he's, and he said kind of in a synopsis, no matter what sin has been part of your life, no matter how ugly it's been, been no matter, you may have those secrets that you say, I will not tell anybody ever 
about this part of my life. God knows that he's saying, my grace can cover it. I can, I will forgive it, give you if you'll allow me. Well, back in Paul's time, right away, there were people who said, wait a minute. If you do that, here's what's going to happen. There's going to be some people who are going to say, well, sin must not be that big of a deal then. Yeah, you know, if, if God just said that, you know, if he's kind of got this attitude that, yeah, you know, boys will be boys, I know, I'll get, or, or, you know, yeah, I know, you guys, it's, it's, it's tough, it's, I'll just kind of, it's no big deal, don't worry about it. So, so if God's saying, hey, it doesn't matter what you've done, my grace will co- cover it, then the truth is, sin must not really be that big of a deal. Well, the reality is, you and I know that's not true. We've experienced the devastation of sin, haven't we? Marriage have been, marriages have been ripped apart because of sin, because of one or the other, or, or both. Just a, a sinful attitude that, that, that gives up, that doesn't care, that throws the stones, that holds on to the grievances, that continues the patterns. Sin's a horrible thing. We've seen families ripped apart. We've seen political systems disintegrate from the inside out. All because of sin. And we saw a perfect man with no sin. Beaten beyond recognition. Hung on a cross. Killed in the most unmerciful, horrendous, death possible because of sin. Sin's a big deal. It's a huge deal. Just because God offers to you and I the gift of forgiveness free, don't sell it short. Don't don't even even go there. But some will, and, and Paul knew that. Or some will go, oh, maybe a slight different take. Well, you know, here's the reality. You know, you've all heard that person that gives, gets up and they give their testimony. And, and I'm not, a, these testimonies are amazing, but they, you know, they've had this just really deplorable past, you know, and they go through the story. And, and then, you know, then in the end, they said, I finally understood the grace of God. And, and I asked this forgiveness and they forgive me. And, and we sit there and say, man, God is so good. And, and so there were some who will say, well, well let, let, me, let me play that out for you. Then actually, when I sin, I just make God look better. So why, why not? I might as well, you know, I can, then I can just really tell these great stories. My, my brother, you know, it's funny, you get, you're brought up in a preacher's home, and, and uh, my brother Mark, uh, he was the good one. That's all you need to know, but he was the good one. But the problem was, my Mar- Mark used to say, you know, I really don't have a testimony, because he just never did anything wrong, you know, he just always did it right, and and I, on the other hand, had a testimony. So you hear these stories, and, and, and you know, so, man, the grace of God. God is such a big-hearted God. And, and then some will twist that and say, well, yeah, so I make God look good, you know. I'll just keep doing this because I make God look good. Or they got this, you know, there, there are even some religious systems where it's kind of this is the setup. Do whatever you want during the week and then go and, you know, make your confession or tell God you're sorry and it's all cleaned up and, and uh, you know, just... And then there would be this other group who would kind of jump off those other two and they'd say, you know, that's the problem, Paul. You need to quit talking about the grace of God. 
because, you know, yeah, his graciousness, and, and we do understand he forgives our sins, but you got to quit talking so much about that because that's what happens. People start thinking it's okay to sin if you talk too much about the grace of God. Here's Paul's reaction to that. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase by no means? That's nonsense, he says. That, that, you, you don't, and, and what he's saying is here, you don't, we don't really understand. If, if we come to that conclusion, we don't really understand what has taken place in us when we accepted that gift of forgiveness. We, we still don't get it. Like the way Philip put it, what a ghastly thought. I, I do a little diddly with my grandkids. Actually, my father did it to me. I'm sure his father did it with him. And, and I try to tell my kids, they weren't that impressed, but my grandkids love it. You, you probably heard it. One dark, one dark day in the middle of the night, two dead boys got up to fight. Back to back, they faced each other, took out their swords and shot each other. A deaf policeman heard the noise and came and killed the two dead boys. There's no logic in that at all. You know, nothing about it is right. And I remember the first time I told my grandkids, they're kind of like, what? you know, what's going on here? And so he kind of walked through and explained how, well, that's kind of this. Paul's, Paul's looking at this and he's saying, are you kidding me? How can you come to that conclusion? The sin doesn't really mean anything that, it's no big deal that, hey, might as well go ahead and sin. If grace, God's grace covers it, why not just? He says, no, that, that's a ghastly thought. But it's one that even, we may not voice it, but we live it sometimes because we really don't understand what has taken place in our life. We really don't understand the power of God that is available to us. And that's what we're going to be learning together as we walk through this passage. Paul says, by no means. We died to sin. He says, don't you understand? When you accepted that gift of forgiveness and the grace of God covered your sins, this power came into your life that actually caused sin, that hold it had over you. It's dead. And here's what some of us do. We're down on our knees giving it life support. You know, we, we keep, we, we don't have to do this. It does not have to run our lives anymore, and we're still letting it. We still, you know, we still, you know, we got unchained, and we're trying to chain ourselves back to it. Or, or you know, it's, we're, it's, we are trying to hook ourselves back up to that, that same truck. That truck, take, truck takes us in the ditch every time. And we're thinking, well, maybe this time it'll be different. And God's, and Paul's saying, you have available i have available to me now this power the problem is and here's our question yeah then how and that's what we're going to talk about together as we work through chapter six there's the how because that's the question you have isn't it it's a question i have if i keep losing and 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 god in his word through the apostle paul said i have a power available to Put this to death. In fact, it's been put to death, and yet I keep resurrecting it. How do I stop this? And that's what we want to talk about. So let me encourage you. Start reading through chapter 6 if you haven't.
Ask God to begin to open your heart to the power that's available to you and I because things can be different. And he wants them to be different. Let's pray. Thanks, Father. We're intrigued because the reality is, if we're to be honest with you, what you're seeming to be say right here through Paul is not what our experience is. We're living that in-between time, that time between when we accepted your gift and eternity and finding that it's more failures than successes. It's more sinful decisions than it is godly ones. We keep finding ourselves in the same traps, the same holes, the same ruts, the destructive patterns that we don't want to be in, and yet here we are again. Paul says that's, that's nonsense. May it never be. What a ghastly thought. And so obviously we don't get something, and Lord, we want to get it. And so as we continue walking through this book and listening to what you put on Paul's heart, make it real to us. Help us to see the power that is ours because of what you've done. We pray these things in your son's name.